Welcome back, y'all, to episode 78 of the Zachary Wingate Podcast, where we go 365 days to bring you a podcast every single day. And today is no different. So let's get into it. So I just kind of want to get on here with a couple house cleaning rooms this week. I'm actually going to be off social media. So I'm just going to do a, a week-long purge. I just find myself really watching a lot of TikTok and on Instagram when I can do other things with my time. Um, initially, a big part of this podcast was establishing something more with the least, with the lack of time. And I really want to kind of get a little bit more dialed in this week and enhance the content as well as what I'm covering. So uh, as a means in which to do that, I'm going to take a week just to kind of get off social media and assess where I'm at within my current stages. Also, what's crazy is kind of being back in the United States. You know, it's it's good. It's good seeing family, but sometimes I swear it's like it really is a different mindset in terms of energy. Like you really do miss being in another country and kind of dealing with the novelty of it. And sometimes people, if you have not traveled outside the country, it's really hard to communicate that because there's just such a large world, you know, out there. And there's so many people living so many different lives and to experience it is something I think is truly incredible. So being back in Arkansas in itself has its positive sides, but I do miss traveling abroad. Um, a lot more than I thought I had, you know, kind of checking in emotionally, being back in the States has kind of, it's really changed, um, it's just kind of really, I don't know how else to put it, but it's kind of changed my vibe, it hasn't been as high as when we were traveling, so coming back here, I kind of sometimes feel like I'm in a lower place on a vibrational level, and I don't know why that is, for whatever reason, but it's something I've been really, really aware of this time around coming back home. Um, And I don't know if I'm just grounded or if there's just different aspects about sometimes society back in the United States that kind of wears on me or what. But, you know, I think with being said, it's kind of where I'm at. And also, like, getting out of a routine. It's like if you can establish a routine when you're traveling, for me, no matter where you are, you're going to feel a little bit more normal. And I've been waking up and luckily working out. Like, today I had a killer workout and I've really been getting stronger you know so you know I did a you know to the like today I did about a 30 minute a kind of warm-up to my workout and in the 30 minute workout was jump rope and I'm trying to get double unders which I guess is pretty popular within um, elementary schools but as an adult I never experienced them so a double under is when you're jumping and you're trying to get the the jump rope to go under you two twice so been experimenting with double unders I did that for 40 minutes and then I had a workout with my 25 pound vest and in that workout what I did is I did 25 push-ups 25 um, sit-ups 25 air squats and I probably ran up a hill no more than um, 200 meters so I did that for four times which to me was a really good rotation on top of the jump rope kind of some high cardio to kind of get Sunday going As I get ready for my workout this week, another crazy thing is just like freaking sinuses. It's like 
you know, it's like I've been, I had to take some Zyrtec and double down on some nose spray this afternoon because, like, I find myself, like, legit sleeping two hours in the afternoon. Um, but it's been, like, kind of just a transitional point, and this is kind of just me checking in, too, just to give you guys an update. Um, and also, like, where we're at, you know, we're in Arkansas for the next few weeks, but we're thinking about transitioning back to Colorado and Boulder, but it's so difficult because then like, you know, you could move and live in a place in Mexico and it'd be so much cheaper and your dollar goes so much farther and you just kind of get in these weird kind of mindsets about it. But you know, what a great, what a great situation to have. It's like, I think being back here, I got to transition into really raising you know, my energetic vibration, because it seems like it really gets affected sometimes, more so than what I realize. But I digress. So kind of what I want to talk about today, all right, I'm going to play you an audio, you know, and since I'm not going to be TikToking this week, I'm just really going to be focusing on this is actually an audio I got from TikTok talking about the nuclear crisis currently faced with Russia and Joe Biden, and I just want to play it for you all. Joe Biden has given a grave warning that the world is the closest it's been to nuclear war in the last 60 years. The US president made his most outspoken remarks so far after Vladimir Putin hinted at the possibility of using tactical nuclear weapons because Russia is suffering major setbacks in the war against Ukraine. When Biden's most candid and alarming comments, he added Putin was not joking when he talks about the use of tactical nuclear weapons or biological or chemical weapons. And he warned this would lead to Armageddon. All right, so now we have Joe Biden talking about it could potentially be Armageddon. Um, so as I kind of get into it, the reason I want to talk about it is it just seems like it's a little bit dramatic, in my opinion, to start talking about the impacts of nuclear weapons and tactical and nuclear weapons on combat. Now, I say that because I did study these things within grad school, within my international security program, and understanding the impacts of policies and treaties. And I really want to kind of go into different aspects of it so we can kind of have a framework for the United States in nuclear, nuclearization of relations with um, Russia. Now, obviously, kind of what spearheaded it was the Cuban Missile Crisis. So if you're not familiar with the Cuban Missile Crisis, which everybody should be, but if you're not, you know, obviously what happened is during the Soviet Union, um, Russia was actually trying to put ballistic missiles, so intercontinent, I don't know why I saw me say this, intercontinent ballistic missile IB, ICBMs within Cuba. Um with the intention of kind of having a strategic strong stronghold for nuclear weapons. So this kind of sparked a transition point to kind of where after the Cuban Missile Crisis was solved and there was kind of the back down and, you know, the, um, in my opinion, President Kennedy and the Kennedys did a phenomenal job of creating kind of some of the first treaty, which is a limited test brand treaty. So really, uh, I guess the news doesn't ever talk about it because it's not as sexy as just flat out saying Armageddon. 
but there's been a lot of treaties put in place throughout the last 40 to 50 years with the Soviet Union and as China became a nuclear power with China. And it's kind of like an, an agreement and an understanding. So each one of these treaties kind of have different focal points that go into different concepts as it relates to nuclear weapons. So if we kind of understand it from this, from a standpoint of this, um, you know, from 1969, 1970, we had Rick's, Richard Nixon in with interacting with um, Beijing, too, during these times, kind of going into SALT. Now, SALT was a very famous treaty because of the Strategic Arms Limitation Talks. Now, within these talks, there's different baselines and different things being established. Now, it's really important to understand that throughout, no matter what conflict, no matter what's going on within these countries, there's always an open dialogue to better understanding nuclear weapons. Now, I don't know if I stated this before, but these these kind of nuclear weapons that are being talked about with these kind of um, these strategic tactical nuclear weapons aren't necessarily even missiles. They're the nuclear weapons kind of crafted for soldiers to bring on their backs. There's special units that are bringing it in. Um, potential to, you know, maybe decoys, things like that to where if there was a nuclear weapon detonated, it could potentially help with the strategic outlook of Ukraine and, and Joe Biden referring to it as leading Armageddon. But, I mean, hypothetically, if Russia did use some type of nuclear weapons, you know, it would just really create such a vacuum and I strategically it doesn't seem like it really helped them because based on a lot of these treaties too then you're going to have different countries more countries getting involved and more countries kind of in your business if if something like this did happen you know it isn't and for it to lead to Armageddon it's like um a lot of these treaties are set in place so you just can't detonate missiles and things of that nature that's why you know when it comes to why we have so many issues with North Korea, North Korea's framework is to look like the problem child. We have no treaties with them. All we really do is pay them off in order to not um, detonate their nuclear weapons. And when they need money, they do it. Firing a missile over Japan, kind of getting into these different aspects of it, that's kind of like their strategic long game. Because a really important thing to understand about nuclear weapons is they're also strategic um strategic points for governments to kind of talk um you know no matter no matter if no one's talking in the united states in russia there's always a group of people as a result of these treaties talking about nuclear weapons and it's something that has created a deterrent so mad isn't a common thing mad being mutual assured destruction mutual assured destruction so you know, for, for, in my ultimate opinion, it's optics, but I don't understand why the leader of the free world would say, hey, these nuclear weapons could lead to Armageddon, or if asked a question. So I'm just playing it out because we have all of these treaties set up, and Joe Biden himself has even set up a treaty so these things won't happen. So you have SALT too, which is the same thing with our, the strategic talks, and within these talks, there's different things laid out. Now, in this one, there's nuclear weapons and launch performance, including strategic bombers. So kind of setting up a, a baseline and also establishing what can and can't be done. You know, the first year Reagan's in office, the modernization of the U.S. strategic nuclear arsenal was created. However, November president was 
presenting to the Soviet Union as the so-called zero option. So you have, you know, even within these nuclear issues, you have Reagan still speaking with the Soviet Union and kind of impacting the aspects of NATO. So obviously NATO being the North Atlantic Trade Organization, trade, oh my gosh, another treaty, North Atlantic Treaty Organization with the ultimate um, reason for it to be created so the Soviet Union wouldn't become the Soviet Union and take over a lot of countries. So kind of having this stuff too, in, in 1983, you have Star Wars, which is the evil empire, but Star Wars in itself is a treaty and an approach created for nuclear, for the nuclear weapons program. But in a lot of ways, as this is going on, I think sometimes too, both media outlets don't feel comfortable saying it because it looks really odd, but the United States and Russia have constantly been looking at each other's nuclear arsenal, keeping track of it, as so there is a nuclear war. You know, even when we're fighting proxy wars, you get the proxy war that happened in Afghanistan, um, where we funded the Mujahideen to go in there and kind of bog down the Soviet Union, and that really potentially led to the collapse of the Soviet Union um, because of all the money going into that war. And then you look, too, at the proxy wars being fought in Central America. You look at what happened in El Salvador with the FMLN and the ARENA party. You look at different aspects with Nicaragua. Like, as we are fighting proxy wars with Russia and the Soviet Union, we still allow, we still allow to see nuclear arms because we understand the impact of it. You know, it's like having a dialogue. So you have another summit, too. Even in 1986, if we go kind of through different different um, milestones of administrations within within this treaty, kind of discussing the impacts of arms control in D- Geneva, so nuclear war cannot be won and must never be fought. So even then, fighting proxy wars, but still talking about the impact of nuclear war. You have the same thing in 1987 between the Range Nuclear Force Treaty. This treaty was really created kind of to understand the range of nuclear weapons and how they can be fired. So a big part of why the Cuban Missile Crisis happened is because the United States and Soviet Union didn't have these treaties put in place. There wasn't open dialogue and communication going along. And I know it's kind of like an afterthought because we don't think about it, but those treaties have really saved us, both countries, you know, and they talk about the collapse of the Berlin Wall, which... And stuff led to the collapse of the Soviet Union. Then you talk about the STARS program, um, kind of going into the role that it played throughout these treaties, open dialogues, and going through different aspects of it. The missile data sharing proposal in 2000 with President Bush. You have the SORT and missile defense in 2002 with Bush. 